Welcome to the Sloppy Boys Blowout. I'm Mike Hanford. I'm here with Jeff Dutton. Hello. And Tim Gobakis. What is going on? All right. Well, you have <laughs> you have entered the blowout zone. This is where we do a little fun thing that's not necessarily drink well, it kind of is drink related each time, isn't it? I mean, we're a, a handful of drunks. <laughs> it's drink related, it's party related. Hey. It's good time related. That's all I know. Yeah, don't get the listeners. Uh, we don't want you getting bogged down in what is the show or what isn't the show. Just relax. You know Sit what it back is, and have fun. At this point, I hope. Yeah, at this point, if you're still like, eh, is this going to be about uh, mind uh, Minecraft gaming? Probably not. Is this going to be one of those? This American Life episodes. <laughs> oh, where's my true crime? These guys never talk about true crime. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if our numbers are tanking, we should kill somebody and then we'll be, report on it and we'll have the scoop before anybody else. <laughs> Dead body found in the apartment next to Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and Jeff knew about it and did it. <laughs> and their podcast is doing great. <laughs> and they're doing better too. Um, well, today we're talking about, you guessed it, a film. 2000's Coyote Ugly. Best film of all time. Directed by... Who's this directed by? I don't know. I don't know that this one had a director. Yeah, this had to have had a director. Just sort of freewheeled this one. <laughs> Just let the actors do what they do and uh, hopefully a camera person's around. I mean, it had that vibe, so it was so real. This was directed by David McNally. David McNally. Uh, brother of Rand McNally, the map guy, probably. That's right. That's yeah. right. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Oh. That's, ooh, that's right. Ooh. Ooh. And the Captain Jack Sparrow himself shows up. <laughs> No, Wait, Bruckheimer does the Pirates movies? Doesn't he? Yeah. Sure he does. Well, no, no, sorry. He doesn't direct them. Uh, Gore Verbinski directed. Oh, sure he has his hand in them. He... So is, is Bruckheimer normally producing or directing? Is, is he a helmer or is he a prod? I think he does a bit of both. He's a guy who says, whatever needs to be done, I do it. Jack of all trades. That's right. You need me to tape down wires? I'll do that. You need me to pick up some <laughs> Duncan? I'm going to do that. I'll act in the thing. Who's Who Who can I be? Captain Jack Sparrow? No, this is Coyote Ugly. No spoilers, but there is a director acting in this very movie. Oh, Jeff, I was going to try to- I didn't spoil. Get you on that one. I know, but I wanted to. I wanted you not to know that one. I'm sorry. I'm Normally, I try not to jump ahead. No, no, no. That's okay. Wait, but you, you're going to spoil it later. I'm going to spoil it oh, later. Oh, yes. Much later. Right. Off, off the podcast, I want to talk to you guys about it. No, no but we have spoilers on this show, right? I, I forget what our rule was. Yeah, oh yeah, this is, if you haven't seen Coyote Ugly yet. But our rule, listener, is that these movies are also not worth saving. So listen to the pod, don't watch the movie, it doesn't matter, have fun. Yeah, this pod is supposed to get you all amped up to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to listen to us and go, ha, I want to see that. Then you go watch it on your own time. If I would have had this episode before I watched the movie, I would have liked the movie tenfold. But if you're one of these people who's not seen the movie and you want to know what in the world we're talking about, here's the synopsis from the back cover. Moving to New York to pursue her dreams of becoming a famous songwriter, Violet Sanford, rhymes with Hanford, Piper Paraboo finds herself desperate and broke. Ironically, the shy, innocent Violet lands a job as a barmaid at the hottest nightclub in town, 
Coyote Ugly. Overflowing with attitude, the coyotes spend more time on top of the bar than behind it, tantalizing the standing room only crowd with their outrageous antics. It's Coyote Ugly from 2000. Wow. I remember seeing the trailer for this one. I remember, uh, can I get a water? Do we serve water in this bar? Ah. No. I made a big impression on me uh, as a kid saying, I better not order water at bars or I'm going to get sprayed. The amount of yeah. water these people are throwing around the bar is insane. Yeah. Living in LA now, you know, we're in a drought half the time. And I'm like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky we don't have one of these Coyote Ugly bars or we'd be on fire. Well, there's a moment when when they're dancing on the bar and I think it's Piper Parabu's character's dad, uh, John Goodman, who was great, when he they're just like splashing water all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, you're going to slip off the bar or someone on the floor is going to slip. That's movie magic. Had you guys seen this before? No. No. No, Tim, first timer? Uh, yeah, you what? You've seen this before? This is my third time. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it with Hanford. What? At the movie theater? Didn't didn't we watch it together? I don't think so. I mean, I've known about this movie. I've like seen parts of it, I think, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, you're in, an in the know guy. I mean, the film business, you you hear what's sure. going on. Go to movies all the time. Looks like I'm the coyote ugly expert over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Make way. If you guys want to know anything, you tell me. You come you come old Jeffy's way. You're like Lil, uh, whereas we're more like Violet. That's correct. So who is Violet at the beginning of this movie, guys? What's her deal? Small town chick working at a pizzeria in New Jersey. Yeah. But she's got big dreams of being a songwriter. It's kind of the same movie as Cocktail, which we have covered on this very pod. Yeah, it's I couldn't believe it really is. how similar it is. And it's it was also a Disney movie too, which like Touchstone, yeah. It was uh the things I read about it were like it was gonna be a harder edge movie or could have been harder edge, and then Disney just made it more and Bruckheimer made it more family friendly. And I was definitely wondering, like, <laughs> this movie, um, it's a slow reveal to me that it's basically a kid's movie. But it, when I saw the trailer, I was like, this is a raunch fest. But there isn't, it's not a super sexy movie. I read the the article that this was based on. Did you guys see that on the Wikipedia page? Yeah, I didn't read it though. Um, in 1999 or something, there's a GQ article written by, uh, you know, the, the real Coyote Ugly Bar was in uh, the East Village in the 90s. Closed. Across from the Closed Village during Idiot. COVID. Uh, for close for good. Close for good. I, th I think so. What they couldn't do a Zoom version of spraying water on people. No, I think they're done. That's sad. That is sad. Um, but this is one of those places that has like franchises all over the world. Yeah, I've been to the one in San Diego um, probably a couple of times because the you know what's the the crazy street in San Diego, the Gas Lamp District, mm -hmm. um, and with all the chains there. That in the context of chain bars, that's like the the wild cool. Uh, bar on that street there and it's always packed with sailors yeah <laughs> not nearly as rowdy in real life like they, yeah they have like dance routines but it feels a lot more like uh chainy yeah i feel like i remember being there one night where it it was pretty rowdy but the, <laughs> you can't help but know that this is they're forced to do this it's like you're at johnny rockets and everybody stands up and starts singing locomotion yes. or something it's like their boss made them do, do yes that. it's every 40 minutes is a dance and after the movie they started learning like choreographed dance dance numbers or something yeah like yeah. before it was just kind of like somebody would get up on the floor and or dance the bar the dance floor and do whatever they felt like doing however what they wanted to move yeah 
another thing I noticed in the beginning of this movie is that when she shows up to New York, she's got a very similar experience to, uh, oh God, what's his name? Kevin Flanagan? Brian Flanagan. Brian, Brian Flanagan. Flanagan. She has the same sort of rapid fire rejection montage uh-huh. that he has where it's like, I came here to do this. No, try somewhere else. No, fuck you. Yeah. And then she ends up at a bar where some tough as nails mentor is like, I'll give you a shot, kid. Yeah. And in both cases, what would really happen if this actress, Piper Parabu, or, or if Tom Cruise were uh, looking for a job, you they would be immediately told to go be a movie star, and then the gates of Hollywood <laughs> would open, and they'd be like, yeah, you're you're too good looking to work a real job. Don't waste your time. Yeah, People that look like this don't work jobs. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love when she goes into, I think it's William Morris. And the reception is talking. She pulls out the like phone cord because she just had enough of like being told no. She can't talk to anybody. She's like, "This is my tape. Give it to Mariah." Yeah. Who is it? It's uh, like, Whitney. Hold on. Yeah. Here's my tape. Give it to Whitney or Mariah. <laughs> like these are the two I write for. This is such a 2000s movie. Like they hit you with Sugar Ray Fly right out the gate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it's just 2000 jams throughout. Because yeah. it's it's 2000 right on the dot. It's a very funny moment for New York City, I thought, because it's very easy to picture 50s New York and, and 70s New York, 80s New York, and, and 2000s New York I've, I'm familiar with. So it's very funny to see this moment right here where it's kind of like the style is kind of like patchworky, like faux scrappy. I'm guessing that like Rent happened in this era, right? That's like a mid-90s, late-90s thing. Okay. And then Friends was on TV. So that kind of like tapestries on the wall and mismatched stools is kind of the vibe of New York. Yeah. I got to say the movie pops this thing. This thing is tight as a drum. (laughs) They got some music video editor to cut this bad boy. It's so tight though, that it doesn't really have a heyday of her working at this bar. There's a lot of her being a shy new girl and then there's a lot of her fumfering and then she's uh, succeeding and leading the, leaving the bar pretty fast. There's like maybe one night where she is just a normal bartender who works there and is yeah, confident. Yeah. Tim, she's shy. She's got big yeah. dreams, but she wants to write for other people. She doesn't want to be the star. She doesn't want all that attention. You think I don't know that? I'm shy too. I come on this podcast every week and I have to, it's my worst nightmare. <laughs> well, you should get Piper Paramu to write for you. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But she probably wants her stuff to go to Whitney and Mariah. <laughs> for Whitney and Mariah's podcast. So she's a songwriter and the songs she writes are extremely good. I guess sort of like Britney era or Leanne Rimes is, right, is in right. the movie. But I was looking at that the big song from this movie was written by, uh, what's your name? Warren, Diane Warren, mm-hmm. who's who wrote huge. I think her big hit in the 80s that she wrote was Rhythm of the Night. Ooh. Uh, oh. That pop song, which is great. And then she had all these huge hits. And then she wrote, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing for oh, Hello. Aerosmith. That's a huge one. Piper, Violet, writes music on her roof because <laughs> uh-huh. it looks good on camera. Right. It's her, cool. Her neighbor yells at her and she's like, fine, I'll play on my roof. So I she, thought that was really funny when she like put her hands down on a note. Immediately, her neighbor is pounding on the wall. <laughs> There's a couple funny things in this. I thought that was funny. That was almost like a sketch. That was like silly, funny, like uh, in a different tone than the rest of the movie. Yeah. 
Um, but then what a magical moment when she's up on the roof and she's struggling to play her song. But then yeah. she looks across the alley and there's yeah. a break dancer playing hip hop and dancing and she gets inspired to play along to the hip hop groove. That yeah, was really. the most like 2000s like coffee house with a with a hip hop beat underneath it. Yes. Stuff. It's, it's save the last dance it's so yeah, many yeah. things where it's just like you have these traditional confessional sort of songs and then it meets the hard city edge <laughs> but these movies pretend that these like young people were coming up with that in the 2000s when pop music was inundated with that throughout the 90s uh, acoustic guitar with a hip-hop beat under it or a programmed drum it definitely existed. She didn't have to invent that in this movie. Right. And she's working on Can't Fight the Moonlight. Yeah. A, a big actual song, which is, I think, a cool thing that they gave her yeah. a real song that you kind of know. And then Leanne Rimes sang it and it was a big radio hit. It actually worked for them to have yeah. a hit. And it worked. And then Leanne Rimes, spoiler alert, appears at the end. So they suggest that she actually, in the movie, sold mm. this song to Leanne Rimes, which made it a hit. Leanne Rimes sings it at Coyote Ugly. But how weird, if her arc is that she needs to get over her stage fright, and yeah. then she gets over it, and then she's all sassy when she's singing, she's still just a songwriter? She doesn't perform her own. What does she need Leanne Rhymes for? That was confusing at the end, because after the concert, they come, they go back to Coyote Ugly, and there's a sign that says, like, good luck, or congratulations, Jersey. And then yeah. another banner says, Leanne Rhymes record release party. Yes. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, I got it. Look, I got it. It's a little muddled because th for a long time in the middle, she sings to the jukebox to calm the bar down. But they make a point that, oh, but that's somebody else's songs. Right, right, right. So when, when, when she sings Can't Fight the Moonlight, I had to remind myself, oh, in the reality of the movie, this isn't a pop song yet. Sure, but it's very funny that you could sing a Blondie song and be gyrating and own the room. But then when you have to sing your own song... You have a panic attack? Come it's on. Because tried and tested, tried and true hits. That's true. Um, I thought that was uh, funny when she, I think it's that same scene, Jeff, you were just describing. Somebody orders water and she's like, she's like, hey, this guy ordered water. And like, no one's yeah, listening Yeah, yeah. It's her. like kind of weak. She's got to like, <laughs> yeah. this guy ordered water. Huh? That was really funny. Like, no one's paying attention to me type thing. There's some funny cameos in that bar. I don't know if you guys spotted. Uh, oh yeah, go go for it, Mike. I think I got one you won't that you don't have. Uh, Caitlin Olson. Ah, yes, <laughs> she's she's one of the girls who bids on um, who bids on the boyfriend. Who's Caitlin Olson from? Uh, uh, Always Sunny. Always Sunny. Ah, I did notice that. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Knoxville. Yes. Where? There's a guy who looks like Johnny Knoxville. And when I'm watching, I was like, is that guy almost looks like Johnny Knoxville? And it is him. It's two, Wait. it's two like party guys. And like, they're looking at the dancing and like, oh, this is awesome. And the one guy who has the, I think Knoxville doesn't even speak. He just kind of like is smiling in the background. Right. But the one guy who does speak is the guy who like has been in a bunch of things. And you, he looks like the guy who's always like, this party's awesome. Yeah. I think I recognize that guy that you're talking about. This is like the very same year that Jackass came out. And I thought he was sort of like, that was this organic. I mean, I guess he was in LA at that, at that point, but it's funny to think of Johnny Knoxville just going on auditions and stuff. He auditioned for SNL. Did he get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And did he do all those um, caveman lawyer sketches? He did. He wrote those and then he <laughs> wrote himself into Weekend Update. That's awesome. Yeah. It, that was great for him. The last big cameo they had, I didn't realize it until I looked it up. 
is uh, a guy takes a photo of Violet <laughs> and uh, gets shoved by the security guard. And he's like, hey, I'm with The Voice. I remember. And that's Michael Bay. No way. <laughs> yeah. Bay, who made the movie that Diane Wright's song, Don't Want to Miss a Thing, was hey. played it by Aerosmith. Interesting. There's a lot of connections here. Also, you mentioned that this is a Disney Touchstone movie. Yeah. Did you also notice the amount of MGD? Oh. I, I spied a little red dog at one point, and I was remembering the whole red beer craze of the late 90s, and I never had one. Yeah, but harking back to our cocktail episode, you said, hey, they got some Miller Genuine Draft in this cocktail movie. I wonder if Touchstone has a deal with Miller. Whoa. And I bet you're right. Jackass had a deal with Miller. Right. Because Johnny Knoxville said on uh, Leno that they would always have a big Miller light truck there on, on the set of the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I noticed one more cameo that you guys didn't, but I don't know the guy's name. When they, when early in the movie, when Violet goes to like a diner and she sees the coyotes for the first time yeah. and they, they have money, the, the guy that runs that diner, the cook yeah. that she's talking to, is a huge deal pop producer. Um, and I forget his name. He's got a goatee and glasses. And I think he was even in a birthday boy sketch when uh, in Goldhoff and Steinstein, it flashed on him for a second. But the name will come to me. Like Dr. Luke? It, uh, I, we may have labeled him as that. He's not the actual Dr. Luke. At this time, Dr. Luke, uh, who was a bad person, shitty guy, uh, but Dr. Luke was uh, a guitar player in the SNL band at this time. Mm -hmm. Wait, the guy you're talking about, he's like, he's at the diner, like behind, he gives her like a free uh, drink or something, right? Yep. That's Bud Court from, uh, from Harold and Maude. That's Bud Court? Yeah. Then who am I thinking of? I guess I got it all <laughs> wrong. Uh, now that I'm picturing it, because Bud Court is in like a, a life aquatic, right? Yes, he's the insurance guy. Hmm. The insurance adjuster guy. I have never been more humiliated in my life. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not why I bring it up. I I'm just want the listeners like to know little, what's going on. Because they probably were like, I'm lost. I'm thinking of a, a British guy. Um. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, whacked out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Did you watch the movie? No. <laughs> That'd be so funny too. To not watch the movie it. and make such a deep. <laughs> I bet eventually in the run of this podcast we'll get to a movie that I don't have time to watch, and then I just try to lie you to you. Fake guys. the book report. <laughs> we should all do that and just say what we think it is. It'd be funny if I started that I got that close though, or at the cameo where I was like, "That guy, he's got a beard and round glasses." Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the dudes in this movie. First of all, you got yeah. John Goodman. Always a welcome presence on screen. He was great, I thought. He is great. When you got this type of dialogue that is very overwritten, and I would call it poor, and people have lines that are like, you catch on quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you have lines like, um, what do I pour? Uh, Jim, Jack, and Johnny, my three best friends. <laughs> Uh, when you have so much bad dialogue and then you see John Goodman, I was marveling at like, he's so good that like he'd say a line and I would believe it. And then I would play the line back in my head and picture the script and, and think that that would have been a very bad line. And that just, that's what this guy's job is, is he can, he can show up and then he could take a line that's like, I'm not going to look up at my coffee, but I love you or whatever. And he could make it feel totally authentic. Yeah, because he's not like being a cartoon dad about it. No, 
which I think this movie, you know, what? Uh, you know, what? a lot of lines like that was the um, the uh, I forget her name. Her the actress is uh, Bridget Moynihan, the New York bitch. Rachel, maybe Rachel, I think. Yeah, she was like the tough New York bitch is her as she was called. And uh, she had all these lines that were like tough and like uh, kind of uh, antagonizing Jersey. And at the end, they like made up and it was like, well, they didn't really like fight enough to. Yeah, they had like three instances where she said something kind of snarky, but Jersey was never like, hey, what's that supposed to mean? It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, she's being Rachel. Jersey is Piper Parabo's right. stage name. Right, right. Uh, but compare John Goodman to uh, the boyfriend, Kevin O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. I don't like this dude. What? He sucks. He's been in foster homes his whole life. <laughs> but when we have time now to like, like enough time has passed, we can look back and we know that that guy didn't go, go on to be a star. It's great. It's so humiliating for him that it's like a lot of times some guy is kind of corny in a movie, but you're like, well, that went on to be Ryan Phillippe or whatever. <laughs> this guy, we know he, he, uh, he's, he didn't, <laughs> he was, he was just charming away in this movie, really making eyes and popping those dimples. But it, his character uh, manipulates her from the get go. follows her around. And then also, the thing that made me maddest as a kid is that he refers to the first appearance of the Punisher as the Holy Grail of comics. Yeah. As a high schooler, I watched this with a group of girls and I was like, that's not actually the Holy Grail. (laughs) One of the uncredited writers on this movie is uh, Kevin Smith. (gasps) I, I knew that fact a long time ago and it was so novel to me then that it's like, you know, Coyote Ugly was written by Kevin Smith. And then you find out, if you look in the, you work in the biz like us, that you know, every hot screenwriter does a pass on every script. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And it did like eight passes. Yeah. I'm sure that Lowell and Babalu were doing a, a pass on this one. And people assume that his contribution was that the boyfriend liked comics. And he says, no, 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 that's not me. I think he would have had, I, I'm not exactly a fan of his, but I think he would have had some more specific nuance if he wrote about comics. I think he might've changed the boyfriend's name to Kevin and moved on. <laughs> the thing You're I read supposed is to that change he- all the names. The one line where the, the, I forget her name, but one of the coyotes is like saying how she's bisexual and she's like, I played in the minors, but never went pro. Right. Uh, that was like Kevin Smith's line. And he says in some article that like he made $100,000 for writing that one line. Cause that's the only thing they used. That's so funny. There's yeah. a couple like lightly homophobic jokes in it, mm-hmm. uh, which is standard for the year 2000. Right. But uh, you know, he's, I guess that makes sense for him too. His version was was much raunchier, I guess. What year was Chasing Amy? Uh, definitely late nineties. I don't know. Right around ninety nine. Like in the article, it says that he, because of Chasing Amy, he um, got this uh, Coyote Ugly job. Now I had heard a rumor that Kevin Smith wrote the bulk or the big final passes of Goodwill Hunting, and that's why. Matt Damon got so depressed after winning a screenwriting Oscar Mm. uh, is he felt like a fraud. But I've also heard people contest that. Kevin Smith has also said, look, if I could win an Oscar winning movie, don't you think I would have done it again? Don't you think I would have wanted to do that again? (laughs) So that's his maybe his way of protecting his friends. I'm sure he did some punch up or helped him out. But can I tell you guys something? He's like, that's their movie. Chasing Amy was 97, 97. Bombshell. Um, so I heard that, um, in an earlier draft of, um, Goodwill Hunting, Will walks up to the window and he says, excuse me, do you like food? Well, I got a number. How do you like that food? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
And that it didn't have that specificity. Right, it, because it's like not people don't say dem foods. Yeah. You know? And then it's not really a phrase of like how yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that it helps to sort of choose a specific fruit. Right. How do you like dem bananas? Well, you're getting closer. It's a it's a fruit. It's a normal fruit. Right. And that was a scene at one point where someone said all that. Yeah. Um, you're getting closer, but I I do like bananas. Well, I heard also going on the banana thing, you know, the scene when Will is uh, writing out, he's in the hallway and he's like finishing the uh, equation for the first time. Sure. In the first take, first couple takes, he's instead of chalk, he's using a banana mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, oh, cut, man. cut, cut. Let's get some chalk in this actor's hand. And he was like, well, you can sort of see the banana will wipe away some of the chalk dust that was on there. You can see what I was writing. Right. Plus yeah. it leaves a little banana grease on it. Okay. And then well. the, the math producers are like... Yes, give it to him. I mean, it's and it was just it it could have worked in a novel like that, but in movies you need these strong scenes that pop right. off the screen. It has to it has to play on camera. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Right, you have to look to the camera. Mm-hmm. Look right in the camera. Say your line. Hey, that was some movie magic when we we shot a, a sketch with Jack Black, and he told us that a Don Johnson thing. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> he would he would barely look in the lens. And uh, then the director was like, oh, you looked in the lens. And he goes, no, I buzzed it. <laughs> so I was like, you intentionally buzzing the lens just to let the audience know. That- so you can, you're checking out the audience just a little bit. Wow. He's saying, hey, how am I doing in this movie? <laughs> they say, Don, you're doing great. Uh, so are you guys invested in this movie as it's going along? I wasn't, uh, I wasn't checking my watch as much as I would in other movies. Compared to Cocktail, are, are we... I was more invested than cocktail. A little bit. Cocktail kind of meandered all crazy. This at least uh, was hitting obvious like uh, movie checkpoints, signposts, whatever. Cocktail walked so that this movie could run. Yeah, I think so. Thank you. Uh, I mean, this is they're doing cocktail again and they swapped out the bottle flipping for dancing. Yeah. And those are the set pieces. Although still some good bottle flips. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that was a nice wink. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for the film heads. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm like Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> I was not invested in either of movie and I'll, uh, either of these two movies, and I'll let you know if I ever feel a, a feeling during one of these movies. Are you telling me when she and when Violet and Kevin are talking and they got the movie star cutouts and they're undressing and talking about how nervous she is to sing? You guys weren't into that? <laughs> I tell you I, what. I was in a cold shower at that point. <laughs> There's a lot of Piper getting dressed and undressed throughout this movie. By That's the way. so funny when there is a part where she's just getting dressed in a utilitarian get dressed kind of way. And then the camera does do like the sexy pan. And you're like, you're not supposed to do the tilt yeah. up. You're supposed like, to do She's that. on the phone it's with like, her dad. What's going <laughs> yeah. on here? And it's like, look at these abs. <laughs> I really liked in the montage where she's getting dressed or where she's like picking out new clothes. She's with that other coyote who's like going to help her. Yeah. And the other coyote is getting into new clothes too. Like, right. why is she? Why is she shopping? And tries on a. I want to say like two and a half outfits before they're like, got it. Yeah, like yeah. They really, they really don't do the whole like, hey, this is a fun montage where we're like, <laughs> no, that one's too silly. I liked also that the the owner of the bar had told Violet like, hmm, tomorrow noon, go to this store and and uh, you're gonna have to buy some new clothes and uh. 
Oh, and one other thing, I'll be shocked if you last more than another night here. Yeah. So it's like, you're going to buy a new wardrobe for a lady that you think is going to work one night. I'm starting to think you're not a great businesswoman. Tim, that's tough love, man. Don't you know tough love when you see it? No, when I, I take everyone at that their word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to see, I like seeing that uh, MacBook too. In the uh, oh yeah, some great dated technology in this yeah. movie. Glory shot, like this is state of the art. I love the the salesperson being like, "This is great. You can uh, make music, edit music right on the machine here. <laughs> it's like a studio in your home." It was like uh, such an ad, and it's so it's so slimy that it's like, "Oh no, she's getting played." And then she buys it, and it's like success. Mm. <laughs> it's it's so weird. Uh, also, it's funny that before she gets the CD burner or whatever, she has the tape, her demo tape. Yeah, which she gives to uh, Kevin, thinking that he's a big shot. Turns out he's not a big shot. And then later she's like, "My tape!" Like she moved to New York City with one tape of her demo. <laughs> it's crucial that she gets the one tape. My back. tape. Hey, the the bartender that lied to Violet and told her that Kevin was a big shot. Yeah, is is that the guy from Office Space who yeah. has the O face? Yeah. No way. Oh yeah. That's another guy. That's a classic face from this time in movies uh-huh. when like comic relief characters were like this handful of dudes that they weren't like standups. They weren't really comedy people, but it was just like these four or five goon guys that hogged all the little roles. Like light comedy guys. Like the I'm freaking out guy in Super Troopers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But this guy, uh, Kevin O'Donnell, the boyfriend, Kevin O'Donnell. At the end of the movie, so he's been pressuring her this whole movie to like, sing your songs, sing your songs. And she's sort of like, back off, man. And eventually they have a falling out because he's mad that she doesn't go to a gig that he set up. And he yells at her for like shaking her ass and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, part of the reason you're into this chick is that she's like a cool coyote girl. You can't right. then turn around and be like, and be like, oh, why don't you go shake your ass? Yeah. It's like, you can't have it both ways, dude. Yeah, that is weird to 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 be like, no, you sh- what 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 is he? He doesn't know her. What is he talking about? Right. And like, uh, John Goodman's has the same sort of thing. So there's a little bit of like your uh, there's a little bit of your body policing going on in this movie. But sure, it doesn't. I think that, that is allowed movie- from and from dad characters. Like dads in real life are unfair and are wrong in that way, and, and they're wrong. And yeah. and at least dad apologizes. Kevin doesn't. They just sort of like miss each other and get back together. Well, that that sort of uh, was a little weak. Uh, yeah, it's almost as if that's really stupid. Hmm. Almost. <laughs> no, almost. Tim, Coyote Ugly is good. It's good. Here's the thing. No, all movies are bad in a number sense. You know, like you would never like sell a product and say, "Hey, nine times out of <laughs> nine times out of ten, this product doesn't work." You know, uh, but that's the deal with movies. Is that we watch 10 movies and then one of them is good. So you can generally just characterize that movies overall are bad. So I said, if I say this is a bad movie, it doesn't mean I don't love it. I love this. <laughs> you love it. You've never, you've, you were talking to me all week about it. But the art form is bad. The, the every, yeah, I the, mean, it's a studio movie that's like put together by a bunch of people and the casting is like holding people's headshots up next to each other type of thing. And when you see a movie that's good, it's so such a weird feeling to be in a movie theater and a joke makes you laugh or a sad scene makes you sad. You're like, oh, my God, get the Oscar. Give them <laughs> Oscars. Uh, I did feel like when she got um, she tried to uh, go to the open mic the first time and she like couldn't even sing and then went home and her 
her apartment was broken into and all the money and stuff was robbed. I was like, man, that's really tough, but that's uh, that's pretty that's a lot to put on this like one character right now. <laughs> it seemed like you're yeah. hitting that like it's she's got it worse and then it's even worse. Yeah, they hit her pretty hard. Kind of a dark night of the soul. Right. Seems like you do that for just about any movie. It's it's like something doesn't go well. They go home and it's uh, they've been robbed and that's the darkest moment. But did that losing that money, did that have any consequences? It's kind of funny that that was like her friend had given her that roll of money as emergency money. So then it's sad that she lost her emergency right. money. Well, but that's a movie thing that different money is for different people, different purposes. In real life, if you, when you're young, if you have any money, it, that's your money and you spend it. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was that she got robbed and then because she didn't know she had the money and the friend put it in the freezer that she finds it later. She found it? I think that roll of money makes it through the robbery unscathed. No, she opens no, the freezer. She, she checks it for it and goes, it's gone. <gasps> and she breaks down crying. Oh, okay. I'm going to delete that then. <laughs> See, the movie's not so good after all, is it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, shit, it fucking sucks. <laughs> well, guys, I give Coyote Ugly four and a half. I'm not going to give it some bogus rating. I'll give it 10 stars. Yeah, 10 stars, 10 thumbs up. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's right on par with cocktail. I probably cocktail was both worse and more interesting. Uh, it was more notable to me. Cocktail was more interesting because it was just like so unbelievable what was going on and how uh, Cruz was acting. It's got Tom Cruise, and it's fascinating yeah. to watch Tom Cruise be weird and miss the mark. You can watch Tom Cruise do anything, but uh, I don't know about Piper Peekaboo Streep. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I think she should have won the Oscar for this movie. I think the whole team should have. The The director went on to do uh, Kangaroo Jack. Oh, boy. Do you that's, know what he did? A famously troubled production. Right. Do you know what he did before this? Hit me. Music videos? He did a an ad on, I think it was a Super Bowl ad, where a lobster is in a restaurant. A lobster is being taken into like be boiled. And right before he does, he grabs a, a Budweiser bottle off a tray and like, holds it ransom somehow, like holds a, a bottle opener up to it or something. And like, everyone's like, no, no, don't. <laughs> He's going to open the bottle, like, open it <laughs> yeah, or something. That vaguely rings a bell. Yeah. And and then the lobster like walks out backwards and leaves. And then the guy at the end's like, uh, I'll have the beef. Why is using, why is that bottle scaring them as if it's a gun or something? Yeah. Because maybe it wasn't a bottle opener, even if, whatever it was, like he was going to harm the beer and they like the beer a lot. Here's the thing. You just gave me an idea. Guys, we got to do an episode of The Blowout about Budweiser commercials. Yeah, that's a good Through idea. Through the years. Follow the trend. Say, here come the frogs. Right, oh, right, right. The, the Bud Light. Now it's Wazab time. Yep. Well, that's a good idea. Then Bud Light got in the mix with Dilly Dilly. Yep. And Dilly Dilly is a huge hit for them. They left the... I feel like the Bud Light commercials got funnier and the Budweiser's got more uh, classic. I like it, you know, when when the Clydesdales yeah. kneel kneel down to the t- twin towers and I cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, that does it for Coyote Ugly. Get out there and follow your dreams, just like Violet Sanford, aka Peekaboo Street. I always get those confused. The Piper Paraboo Peekaboo Street thing. And you're always in conversations about those two. Yeah, I'm always putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we love the movie. It's a blast. We're going to be dancing on the bar. Wait, I forget. Did you guys say you've been to these bars? Yeah, Jeff, you've been to the bar. I went with you one time and I was sleepy. Well, I missed it because I was sleeping. 
I was in a I hotel like I had room. Some fun. Maybe it was a different trip. I had a fun at one of these bars one time. It's kind of it's well, it's it's funny. If you weren't with us, you probably didn't have much fun. Hey guys, I have an I have an idea here. We should do what? Us three should come up with our own little bottle spin challenge. Hey, whoa! Amongst ourselves, like maybe by uh, maybe by the new year, maybe by January first. We see who's got the best video of them spinning a bottle and doing a trick. So oh, we geez. design our own trick. We video ourselves are doing it. We put it on uh, social media for people to vote, which is the best trick. Yeah. And like, Whoa. you know, we we can sort of work on our own and like, you know, maybe, oh, I got a good video yesterday, but I'm working on this new trick and I might have an even better video. And then we do the big unveiling on like- Christmas morning. Christmas morning. That's good. But we should maybe say that you know, you can't just spin bottles. You have to make some sort of drink. Like, right. it's got to be part of a process. And it shouldn't just be like, oh, I flipped this bottle and this is the take where I happen to catch it. It's, put some choreography and some reasoning behind what you're yeah. doing. Tim, Mike, wow me. Okay. You ex- uh, challenge accepted. And I hope I do well. Me too. I, I hope that I'm the best of all. I'm going <laughs> to order some plastic uh, uh, dance bottles right now on Amazon. No, you can't cheat with the bottles. No, that's just for practice. Oh, yeah. Well, do you guys want to do a quiz? Yes. Good. Good. Well, we all know that Coyote Ugly was not the only movie that came out in the year 2000. <laughs> we all can agree on that. Uh, I hadn't really ah. given it much thought. Let me think. Um, no, actually, uh, Meet the Parents came out in 2000, so there's at least two movies. Well, in this quiz today... Uh, the twi- you know what the quiz is called, don't you? It's Tagline Trivia Spectacular, and I'm going to give you some taglines to movies from the year 2000, and you have to tell me what it is. This is good. Are we uh, are we buzzing in? What are, we're blurting out? We I doing? think it's a blurt situation. Okay. Great. So some of these have like a few taglines, and I'm going to try to go like hardest and just get easier and easier with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so here we go. Number one, being evil ain't easy. Be- bedazzled. Nope. Bamboozled. Nope. The spy who shagged me. Nope. Okay, here's the next one. Or here's the next uh, tagline. Uh, you know his number, you know his name, and now you will meet his son. <laughs> so, so, so this is a new movie or the same? A same new, movie. Say, sorry, same movie, but just several taglines for the same movie. Um... You know his number. Um, 007's son. Here's the next one. If your father was a devil and your mother was an angel, you'd be messed up too. <laughs> it's not bedazzled? Nope. I think I'm I think it's bedazzled. Should we just go revolt? Here's uh, there's some more, but I'll just give you a hint. How many how many taglines did movies get back then? This was off IMDb and some of the taglines, who knows? Probably for each trailer. Okay. He's never been to Earth. He's never even slept over at some other dude's house. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) The star of this movie starred in a Halloween movie this year on Netflix. Okay. This is... Little Nicky. That's right. Oh, that's good. Why did we not get that? Why didn't we think of the devil in 2000? Yeah, it's... uh, I don't know. I thought maybe the if your father was devil and your mother was angel, you'd be messed up too. Okay, here's another one. Next one. This is number two. <laughs> There's the first tagline. It's good. 
Okay. Okay. The greatest college tradition of all. Road trip. That's right. Hell yeah. Timmy's on the board. Timmy's on the board. One to one. This is a dead heat. Here's the next one. Sorry, sorry. Road Trip came out with a tagline that said, it's good. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what IMDb, if you go to click on the tagline link, it just has whatever taglines they use I'm, for. I'm starting to think there are some IMDb users that we can't trust. To yeah, read. and uh, yeah, Mike, yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to uh, curate these quizzes at all. Sure, but <laughs> it's still funny to say it's good. Right. That's true. <laughs> you got you to gotta admit that. The, the important thing is I got that one right, and this is a dead heat. True. Here's the next one. Change is coming. The evolution begins July 14th. Evolution. No. Change is coming. C-U-M-M? <laughs> yeah. And change is in pocket change. Planet of the Apes. Nope. Protecting those who fear them. Oh. X-Men. That's right. E. Jeffy is an X-Men boy. Directed by Brian Singer. I used to go to some of his uh, pool parties. Here we go. Number <laughs> four. <laughs> Come <on>, Tim. <laughs> Stop it right now. As a guest. Here's the next movie. First comes love, then comes <laughs> interrogation. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Meet the parents. That's Meet the Parents. Timmy boy. Yes. Meet the Parents, a movie I've seen in the theaters probably eight times. That's how you knew that there was a scene that took place at Oyster Bay Sundries. Bingo. Uh, it was some like dollar movie theater opened up near me and played that movie a bunch. And we went all the time because we had nothing else to do as little kids. All right. Did you go to Movies 10? That's right. Exactly. Love it. I saw Black Hawk down there. Continue the quiz. Next question. This is a tough one because there's only one. But you might just know it because you might just love the movie. Experience it. Enjoy it. Don't fall for it. Ooh, this is a tricky one. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Experience it. Enjoy it. Don't, don't fall, fall for it. it. Just don't fall for it. What could it be? Um, it's got a, something about a ruse. You know what I mean? The trick. It's about a... Okay, hint. Small hint. The, the person who would have said something like this in the movie, maybe not this exact same line, was played by very well, very exceptionally played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. Love his work. Hmm. Experience it, enjoy it. Just don't fall for it. Fall for it. Talking on the phone here in this line. Hold on, hold on, hold on. God. So, so there's some duplicity going on. He's uh, maybe some advice. Maybe it's advice more than duplicity. Oh, oh, no, no, no. That's not. You gotta, you gotta jump on an answer there. Mm, okay, so he's on the phone, but he's not gonna fall for the phone trick. The, uh, the there's a scene in this movie where everyone's on a plane and they're singing an Elton John song. Almost famous. Almost famous. Fuck. Yeah, almost famous. That's fast. What are they referring to there? Like don't, the the journalist kid, not to like fall for oh, the- Oh, yeah, because the he life. said, I think, you know, they made you think you're cool. Right. You're not cool. Um, right. Isn't that uh, these, the Lester Bangs character? Yes. Yeah. Man, he's really good in that movie. And, he's great. Uh, that's a movie that uh, it's like, it just had its 20 year anniversary. So I was like watching, I watched like a 
Cameron Crowe video about it and stuff. When I first saw that, I said, this is saccharine and corny. And then I watched it 300 more times on uh, HBO. And I said, there's some really good scenes in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Okay. And here's, here's, here's a good one. You're going to love this. The classic Western gets a kick in the pants. Wild, wild West. Nope. Oh, good guess though, T. Thank you. The classic Western. The old West meets the far East. Shanghai, oh, Shanghai noon. Yeah. Uh, no. Who said what? Shanghai noon. I said nights. Noon, not nights. Uh, nights yeah. was the follow up when they go to London. Damn. By the way, crazy to me that Owen Wilson was that big of a star that they paired him with Jackie Chan. I know. He was huge. He was in uh, Meet the Parents, too. And he like he's so, such, an, such an understated kind of comedy guy. Like, I can't think of an equivalent. Like, what that would be today. Right. I know. He's just like a, he's like a cad. And that's so weird that in, in Meet the Parents, that was a delightful cameo where he was like this cool indie film guy. And then you're like, oh, man, he's being funny in this movie. I, I wouldn't have guessed that that was the same year that he was also the co-star of a big yeah. wacky Western movie. But he was I am rem- I, I'm remembering now, I think that I watched the DVD of Shanghai Noon on the same Rochester visit where I went to see Black Hawk Down at Movies 10. So it's all really? kind of coming together. Continue. I have Shanghai Noon on DVD. I got it a long time ago. Still have it. Here we go. Rules of a trilogy. Chapter one sets the rules. Chapter two bends the rules. But in the finale... Forget the rules. Um, okay, what would have been... That's the, that whole thing is the tagline? Yeah. They say rules of the trilogy in the tagline for yep. the movie. Okay. This also could have been something like maybe an announcer said in the trailer. Yeah, I bet this was or... like on-screen text in a trailer or something. Yeah. Um, Obey the rules of the trilogy or die. All right. So it's not Matrix. Nope. It's not Star Wars prequels. The rules. Remember... A movie with a, a a movie where there's rules, and if you don't oh, follow oh, them, you oh, die. Oh, 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 the Jack Ryan trilogy. Nope. Rules of engagement. Nope. Uh, rules of the road. The third movie. The third and final chapter in the trilogy that made you laugh and made you scream. Scream. Scream what? Three. Three. That's right. Damn. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That because that's like a meta thing. They yep. would say that. Yeah. Yeah. They would. They would say that. This is an easy one. The clumps are back. Clumps too. N- Nutty <laughs> Professor too. Nutty, Nutty Professor two. Meet the clumps. That's right. Just God. just the clumps. The clumps. The clumps. <laughs> All right. Here's the another clumps. one. Damn. We'll do. We'll do uh, three more. It'll be a nice ten. Wait. Great. Ten is good. I feel like I'm going to sweep them too. We'll do two more, and that's ten. Great. Yeah. Here we go. Expect the impossible. Again. Mission Impossible Part Two. Mi Two. That's right. Damn. <laughs> All right, last one. Jeff, you, you don't have it, but that's all right. That's okay. He puts the mean in green. Hulk? <laughs> the Grinch? The Grinch who stole Christmas. He ring dong, the- ding dong, oh, the ring Jim dong, Carrey ding, one. Dong. ding dong. That's right, the Jim Carrey one. Not the Benedict Cumberbatch one that everyone loves so much. This really put me in the holiday spirit, huh? Well, that was fun. That was fine. Um, There was, I did one for Battlefield Earth, and one of them is it's the worst of all time. (laughs) So I don't know who's coming up with these. I gotta see that one. Taglines are so funny. It's something I never even like have ever paid attention to, and uh, I don't know where they go on like the 
poster, maybe? The only tagline that I ever really noticed and thought a lot about was the worst one ever. Lilyhammer. He's a New Jersey mobster, period. In Norway, <laughs> question mark? <laughs> well, you tell us. That you made it. the show. <laughs> yeah, why are you surprised? You, you're the billboard painter. <laughs> I, I always remember the uh, Wayne's World one. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll, you'll hurl. That's good. Oh, yeah. Because we know those guys hurled. I've missed when movie posters would just put the entire like synopsis on the poster. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Remember when movie trailers would be like, talk you through the whole movie, like Marlon Brando in the wild bunch. He's a bad guy and he comes to town and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was funny. Like when you see uh, you go to like the uh, New Beverly or something and you see one of Quentin Tarantino's picks, those old like 70s, uh, whatever however you describe those movies, kind of grindhouse movies, they'd play like a trailer of that movie right before you watch the movie. Yeah. So you'd see like, you'd see like scenes that you're going to see in the, hmm, a mere moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what, that's, hey, that's how we play. uh, What did I call this? Tagline Trivia Spectacular. Hey, maybe this game comes back. Who knows? Very good game, and I won it, and I feel like when movie stuff comes up, I'm kind of becoming like the movie man. Yeah, maybe. Thanks for listening, folks. We had a great time putting the show on for you, and we appreciate that you subscribe to the Patreon. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.